You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Style Live on Washington Post Live. I'm Ann Hornaday, Chief Film Critic at the Washington Post. And my guest today is an Academy Award winner whose acclaimed career spans four decades and two continents. Michelle Yeoh joins me now to talk about her newest show, The Brother's Son. Michelle, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you, Anne. It's a real pleasure to be here. I hope the weather for it's you is much better than Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky me, I happen to be in Los Angeles this week, so um, we can we can commiserate from afar together. You star as the matriarch Eileen in this new Netflix comedy, The Brother's Son. Tell us about Eileen and her world and what this show is about. Oh, um, Eileen's son is a very interesting woman, especially, um, you know, I explored the mothers. The first E was in um, Crazy Rich Asians, Eleanor Young, and then uh, as Evelyn Wong in Everything Everywhere, all at once a very frazzled mother trying to deal with her daughter and also being audited. And now Eileen's son, who has a very dark past, which you, if you met her at first, would not even understand what she's going through uh, because she is the doting mother and they live in San Gabriel and she seems to fit in and blend into the community. Uh, she's working as a nurse, you know, she's very low profile, happy, uh, and um, has a very smart son. But underneath all that, she had to make a horrible, huge sacrifice uh, for her firstborn, uh, which she had to leave in Taiwan because she comes from uh, being married to one of the top triad guys. And she actually ran away with her second son um, to protect him, to hopefully give him a different and better life. So this mother um, is completely different from any one that I've explored before and which was uh, pro proved to be very challenging because the dark humor in the brother's son is something that is so captivating. Indeed, it really, it, um, it's, I know it's become a, a hit on Netflix. I mean, it really does draw you in in terms of uh, the humor kind of keeps things off balance in a really intriguing way. And Eileen herself is is intriguing because she has this very calm, um, peaceable exterior, but she's sort of plunged into this chaos amid all these gangsters. And because <laughs> it's you playing her, there is, you know, we get the sense that maybe this this meek housewife persona might not be all there is to it. We have a clip. Let's let's watch this clip and then come back. We have no interest in hurting an old woman. You only found me because I wanted you to. That's why I went to Hong. He would betray his own mother. He even got her to buy one of those off-season Waikiki packages. <sighs> Cheap suits, tattoos, practically beg cops to associate you and tea that I wouldn't serve to a dog living on a street. And you had the idea that you could outsmart me? I'm not your prisoner. 
I'm here to negotiate. So go get me some good tea. And then we can talk. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. You know, I was I was listening to a, um, an interview with Brad Falchuk, who's the co-creator of this series. And, mm -hmm. and he talked a little bit about the genesis of this project and that, if I'm not mistaken, they brought it to you before Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. And that this was a conscious decision on your part, knowing that Everything Everywhere was coming out, that this would be your next project. So tell me a little bit about how this fits into your world that, you know, that you're creating for yourself as an artist and an actress um, and the way Eileen and Evelyn are kind of talking to each other. No, I think I'm constantly looking for something that I have not uh, ventured into because I think that's the only way I can keep on learning about my craft and keep on fine tuning and honing it. I must say that um, before I choose a project, the most important thing to me, apart from the story, are the people who are involved in it, um, who I would be working with and spending time with, you know, trying to create something that we will all be very, very proud of. So when I heard about it and they sent me the script, the first name I read on, on you know, the, the page, apart from Byron Wu, was uh, Brad Falchuk. And that fascinated me because um, I followed Brad's career because he's always come up with very, very interesting TV series and work. And so I was wondering, this is his first production from his own production house. And he's chosen a subject matter that is very, very different from who he is. Unless you tell me he's half Chinese and I possibly, by now I would believe you too. Um, and for him to champion a story like this, there must be something that he he has um, found passion in. So for that particular reason, I was already fascinated by this whole story. Then as I read it, I could see why, because it is um, it's a juggling of different genres. It's a genre that has not really been done um, in the U.S., any of the streaming platforms or any of the TV series before. And also it gave such a insight into the Asian community, uh, and which is set in Los Angeles, in San Gabriel, uh, that you, unless you know it very well, you might not be attuned to it. But they, they managed to set the whole thing up, talking about trias, talking about violence, talking about gore, with such humor, that balance I thought was so clever. But the core of it was because it's really about family, and responsibility towards family and what you would do for for each other to protect, to defend, and to uh, love and nurture. Right. the The theme protect the family is the running motif in this in this narrative. Um, and the two brothers could not be more different. Um, we have the the older brother Charles, who has stayed behind in Taiwan to help his his dad, and then Bruce, the younger boy that you bring to the U.S. And of course, mm -hmm. he wants. He's he's nurturing he's nurturing dreams of 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 um, doing work in improv comedy, which is just a delightful kind of <laughs> running gag in the in the piece. But tell us a little bit about Eileen's relationship with each each son and how are are you is do you consider her a bridge between the two boys or where does she oh, stand? I love nuances between the two. It was so well written. Thank you, Byron, you know, and the whole uh, room of writers, because they all pitched in most, it was a 
Asian room. So they had all the nuances and they would all throw in their own personal stories with their moms and things uh, that would happen at home. And I think that was what really brought the relationship between Eileen's son and her two very, very different boys. Um, with Charles, Charles is a, quite a tragic figure because in many ways he could feel like he was the one who was abandoned by his mom because Eileen had to choose to save one son, at least one son, from her husband who has decided that, you know, the only one person that he could trust in the whole world that would defend him and protect him would be his son. So he basically turned his firstborn into an assassin. And once, and that poor kid, I think he was um, a t a 14 when he made his first kill. As a mother, it breaks your, it's beyond breaks your heart to see your child turn into that. And I think at that moment, she decided I have to save at least one. So in her story, it is one is nurture, one is nature, which is nurture. So um, with Bruce, who she has brought to Los Angeles, America with her, he lives a pretty sheltered life. He lives a very happy-go-lucky life. He lives a life, you know, he wants more. He wants his Lamborghini. He wants his, uh, you know, to be, to be walking around and be the center of attention for all the girls and boys. Um, but Generally, he is a very good-natured boy. Uh, his brother, when he comes, he said he the first thing he says he's soft, and the mother defends and say he's sensitive, not soft. But he's not made out for that kind of life which um, she tried to protect him from. So uh, it is it's a mother doing her very best in I think the worst kind of situations. Uh, to protect her boys. And, you know, one of the most moving to me through lines is her reconnecting with Charles and sort of discovering who he is um, because they've had these, both these boys have sort of had narratives imposed on them by, mm -hmm. by the choices that their parents right. have made. Yeah. And Charles is nurturing his own dreams. And so I just, uh, that's just a beautiful that's a beautiful development within the series to me. Um, Michelle, both Everything Everywhere All at Once and now Brother's Son and things like Lupin and um, Parasite, you know, we're really seeing now the fruits of, of the globalization of not just the entertainment market, but makers and the, you know, the creative, the, the global creative community. Mm. Um, and I just was, I'm curious how that feels on your side, on the creator's side. Oh my God, it's such a gratification to finally see it coming more and more together uh, and seeing more stories that, you know, because when you're an immigrant, you left a culture behind, but that place is not that far away today because it's reachable, whether, you know, on the internet, whether it's physical, you can get there and that exchange and that bond should not and need not be broken anymore. Uh, so, and it is, it's so wonderful to see these stories being told. And that's why, I think that's one of the reasons why I really gravitated towards Brad Falchuk was like, it didn't need 
us all to be Asians, to be telling an Asian story, that we are collaborators and we have to help each other tell out everybody's stories. At the end of the day, you just have to be a good storyteller. And I think what it is, is like, it's Im imperative. It is necessary that we tell uh, stories from cultures where we come from so that we ourselves understand it to a better level and the future generation the younger generation also gets a much better depth and feeling for it um and you you have personified this i mean you have personified this evolution since the 80s and you've worked in so many different countries and cultures and i'm also curious about how that experience has affected you just as an actor? I mean, do you think that informed your technical approach to the craft or your um, emotional approach to the craft? Or did it give you extra muscles that you might not have had if you hadn't had such a wide ranging experience? I think where, where you're right is it opens your heart to the big world. We, it's a global world and it's there for you. You don't have to choose to be in one particular place. The world is for you to explore and through, you know, working in different places and working with different people in different cultures and different languages, I think that is where you really, really learn that the world is for us to embrace uh, the diversity, the different cultures. And um, I think that's the only way that we can embrace each other and learn to understand each other better so that we can live in peace and harmony. Now you, um, I have learned recently that you actually learned a ballet before you became an actor. You were a dancer. And of course that makes total sense because you have such a balletic grace. <laughs> uh, with your martial, and I would imagine that ballet informed your, your work in martial arts, but I'm also wondering just how it informs you, your presentation. You know, the, there's a certain kind of comportment that I think dancers have. They, they sort of own their, their physical space in a way. And I'm just wondering, I'm curious how ballet has influenced you over the years. Oh, that was, that ballet was definitely my first love. You know, I died as a little child. I was, all I wanted to do was dance, whether it was ballet, but just in the world of dance. Um, and that was what I went on to pursue in England as well. But having that kind of discipline, that kind of training, I think stays with you for the rest of your life. It's say you understand your core, you understand there are certain uh, positions that you should hold your body in to ensure that you have phys physically, uh, a stronger body and also a, a presentation, a, a grace and a style that you with when you move, it helps uh, tremendously. It does. Do you still do? Do you work out at the bar? Do you do floor? But do, are you still doing your ballet workouts? I exercises? Do, um, I think what I have had learned to do is to um, use all the different movements and styles that I've learned over my my life, uh, whether it's ballet, because there are certain movements in ballet and contemporary dance that I still practice because of the stretching, because of uh, the strengthening of the core, which is very, very important to, it's just basic work that you have to, to, to ensure that you do practice every day. And then after that, it's like incorporating, I know what are the things that I will 
is more necessary for my line of work, especially if I still I continue to do action movies and I continue to love doing my own action as well. So I practice my kicks, my my punches and things like that, the movements that I know that will keep me agile and keep me accurate. Oh. Okay, that was just a secret way of me asking, Michelle Yeoh, how do you do it? I mean, you are such an icon. Um, we're waiting for your book or your podcast or your what, whatever it is. We will, we will lap it up, I can guarantee you. Now, obviously, about a year ago exactly this time, it was nomination day. And you were getting yes. the news that you had been nominated for an I Academy Award. I believe... Um... It's a year. It's a whole year that uh, that it's it's just gone by so quickly. And also last year, 2023 has been a year where so many amazing things happened to me, for me, and uh, I, and I must say, I mean, it is. I'm very blessed, and I'm very thankful. Uh, it continues to be. I mean, on the first of January, 2024. We have our first grandchild, so. It's just, <laughs> it keeps coming. This is all wonderful news. I'm, I'm, you were the first actress of Asian descent, an uh, Asian actress, to win a leading actor category Oscar. That was rather awkwardly put, but you know what I'm getting at. Tell me, how has life changed? Is there a before Oscar, after Oscar, Michelle Yeoh? I think life will never be the same again. <laughs> it's uh, it's overwhelming. I mean, even to date, when you, it's the feeling of um, how did it happen? And I I think the most gratifying is when young people, older people, they come up to you and you can see the joy on the faces for what you have accomplished, for the Oscar that I have received. You can see the happiness on their faces, on not just thinking how much it meant to me, but how much it means to them as well. And I love that the young people, they really come up and they say, you know, you've, you've changed my life because now I really truly believe I can do anything. If you can do it, why can't I, right? Well, that's true. I mean, you know, I think that's I just optically, you know, you winning that award and, and your beautiful acceptance speech, um, it it was sort of the, the image of doors opening. Um, and you certainly, you know, you used that opportunity to make that point. I was, you know, yesterday, of course, the nominations were announced and the big kerfuffle is around Barbie. Um, and now that you sort of have an inside, uh, more of an inside point of view on the process, can you kind of tell us about the idea of, of snubs and, you know, did you, did you perceive Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie being left out as a snub or is that just the way the voting goes? I'm sorry to say, but you know, sometimes that's what, the way it goes. I don't think anybody would snub Greta Gerwig. She's one of the most amazing director, forget male or female, director, full stop. She is amazing. And this is not, uh, this is not the end. I mean, this is just the beginning for her. The work that she has done, the work she continues to do, I mean, especially in Barbie, is nominated for Best Picture. I don't think anybody would go out of their way to try and snub her or Margot Robbie. She is one of the most beautiful actresses around. I think it is heartbreaking because 
you know, everybody wants their seat. They, they want to be the ones who are nominated. And I've been through that past that that way before and you feel. Oh God, can't we have more? <laughs> but then there will never be enough, right? There will never be enough seats at the table where everyone because there's so many who have been not noticed even who didn't even get a chance to be seen properly. And I think that's that's the hardest as well. So, you know, Greta, Margot, you are great. And we certainly have not seen the last of them. Was this the first year that you were able to participate in voting and nominating yourself? No. Fortunately, okay. I have been an academy voter for, for a little while. Yeah, but it takes a lot of voting, a lot of people to go in there and vote to swing it whichever way you want. There is just no guarantee. You know, it's very easy for you to say, ah, yes, yes, this is it. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody really knows until that envelope is opened and the names are read out. So, Very true. So tell me a little bit, Michelle, from where you sit, how do you see Asian representation and Asian American representation in Hollywood these days. Um, what has changed and what are the challenges that remain? You know, last when everything everywhere uh, came out um, and you know, we what we want, what we said was like that glass ceiling, we've just ninja kicked it out of the place. Just, just We just shattered it. And that is what we need to maintain is that we have to keep all these amazing um, Asian stories, Asian uh, representation to keep coming. But it has to be, of course, good ones. So I'm very proud of like the brother's son, where it is about Asian representation, but it is also original. It's also something different. And so we have to keep our be on our toes, you know, be be the window is open, but it can close as fast as it it. it, it gets open. So we have to be very diligent. We have to be very mindful. We have to, yes, we want to push it out there, but we want to also be be good and be good at it. Right. And I think if recent years have taught us anything, um, and this is where I think streaming platforms have been really helpful, is that there is an audience. I mean, one of the arguments, you know, historical arguments in Hollywood was, well, you know, yes. such and such doesn't travel or, you know, and it's like that has, you know, that will not wash anymore. We know that's not true. So now, like you said, it's just a matter of quality and innovation. And I want to ask you the same question about female roles. Are you, um, in terms of the projects that you're getting to consider in the scripts, are you picking up on any, are they, are they, are the roles getting better? Are there more, are they higher quality or more diverse in terms of characters? Tell me a little bit about that. I think what you just said was very important that they can't hide behind the fact and say, well, you know, there's no no audience for that because nobody wants to see, first of all, like an all Asian cast or they don't want to see an older woman doing this and they don't want that and they don't want this. But because that already is out the window and out the door. And I think a lot of the um, the actresses themselves are fighting back in the sense that they are starting their own production companies. They are doing their own um, stories. They're telling their own stories. And they are now also given the opportunity. They had to fight for it for a very long time, but now they are getting the more and more opportunities, but they have been doing such good work. 
So, you know, it makes a big difference. It's like Reese. It's like, you know, Nicole. It's like all of them going like Jody, who continues to to break the boundaries and barriers and things like that. So this is what we continue. We have to do It's like. I know I said it. Don't let anybody tell you you are past your prime. Don't let a number dictate you. Don't let your gender dictate you. Just don't let be true to yourself. Believe in what you do and push forwards. That was such a galvanizing moment. I'm so glad that you that you reminded us of that. That was just such a beautiful, beautiful moment. And another one was when you talked about your mother in your acceptance speech and you mm-hmm. called her your superhero. Tell us a little bit about how your mother was a superhero. Oh, God, it's like, you know, those are the real superheroes that don't fly around with a cape. <laughs> because they are the ones with unconditional love. They just support you in what you do. And there's, sometimes that's all you need. You don't have to tell, you don't have to say, you don't, but they just by knowing the fact that they are always there for you. They say like my parents, when even when I was growing up, one thing they always wished for me is I wish you enough. And I think when you have that kind of confidence, you always believe in yourself. And that is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. Oh, that's really, that's wonderful. I have to remember that. I wish you enough. Yeah. And let's talk, you know, you have so many people do know and admire and love you from your work in in martial arts movies. And then we've seen this whole art of visual effects and screen, you know, fight choreography just taken to such heights in recent years. (laughs) Um, do you have do you have strong feelings about technology these days and, and working with technology and things like artificial intelligence? I mean, God, it seems like just yesterday we were agonizing over CGI and now it's just, you know, when will it end? But is that something that you're engaged with at all artistically? Uh-huh. I think um, I'm trying to learn because it seems like it's um, inevitable in a sense that, you know, every time we move forwards, every time we improve in every forms, way or manner, it is the future. And uh, the only way we can understand, overcome, work with is to learn, is to try and learn more about it and see how it can work for us rather than be a slave to it. And that is very, very important. Well, you'll have to hold my hand because I still haven't really, um, I have not had the guts to really encounter AI in, in the wild. And so we'll, have, we'll all have I to have, channel our inner like... Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you've also been a goodwill ambassador uh, for the United Nations Development Program with a special focus on promoting gender equality and fighting poverty. What is the most important message you want to draw attention to when it comes to your work outside of entertainment? Oh, we have to protect our world. And why why do I work with the UNDP? Well, we have the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which we hope that by 2030, our world will be a better place, more peaceful climate. We will be in control of our climate change and all the, the, the horrible things that are happening. But the only way we can do it is if we work collectively together and we identify the problems and we work towards that. Um, so what I try to do is like I choose the one that is closest to my heart. 
women are half the population of the world. So you cannot subjugate them, you cannot put them aside, you cannot try and not give them equal opportunities, provide them with basic education, because if you don't try and work together as a team, then the world is not going to be able to eradicate poverty. The world is not going to become a better place. So I think what it is, is for me personally, that's the only way I, why am I doing all this? Why am I providing, why am I working so hard? It's so that we can all enjoy a better world together. And our future generation has a world to be working and living and enjoying. I could not say it better myself. Unfortunately, we're out of time, so we will have to leave it there. Michelle Yo, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, and thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.